It is so easy to get caught up in the hype, and it's a good thing. I mean, we have watched the Midtown Miracle, the billions of dollars invested in Midtown. We have watched the book Cadillac rise from the ashes, two new stadiums downtown. And it's we're tempted to say, well, Detroit is back 10 years after the bankruptcy. But are we really? We need a little objectivity because we are cheerleaders in a number of ways. The Citizens Research Council of Michigan has released the first of a two-part series truly objectively assessing and analyzing our economic condition in the city and our development policies. Eric Lufer is the president of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan, nonpartisan, and uh, we welcome Eric in for that very unique perspective. Hi, Eric. Good morning. Great to be with you again. So kind of give us just the, you know, the, the executive summary in terms of where we are. Yes. So compared to where the city was 10 years ago, clearly things are better Uh, on the upward trajectory in terms of income and uh, jobs and things like that. But there's a long way to go just because there's improvement doesn't mean the city is necessarily competitive either with its neighboring suburban communities or with its peers in the Midwest. So uh, a lot of work to do, but we don't want to couch that in bad news. Just, uh, you know, a, a reality check on where the city is. Eric, what, what, what are some of the specific challenges that developers face in, in Detroit? Yeah, so we were asked by the city to look at this and the question before us was, does the city continue to need to provide tax abatements to developers coming in, uh, providing industrial or commercial? And what we found is that there's an inequality between the cost of constructing or being in the city and the projected revenues to be here. So some of the costs are costs that the city creates. Anytime a, uh, a Business is coming in and they want to build, they're using tax abatements. The city says you have to negotiate these collect these community benefit agreements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to hire local talent. You have to deal with the stormwater mitigation. And by the way, you're going to have to pay the uh, city taxes. But there's also some things that are beyond the city's control. Uh, Detroit is not the only one levying taxes on the, on the residents of the city, the businesses in the city. Wayne County and the Detroit schools and others are doing that, and that contributes to a very high tax rate to be in the city. Any developer is going to have to deal with the, the labor cost, and rest assured in Detroit, you're going to be using union labor. That costs a little bit more. It costs a lot more to insure uh, businesses in the city, and um, because there's a legacy as an industrial city, a lot of sites that you might want to build on are going to require environmental cleanup first. Mm-hmm. All those things add to the cost. And then on the other side of it, it's the question of how much revenue do you think you're going to get from this? And for all the good things going on in Detroit, there just is not a, that much demand to be in the city. You, you would compare that to New York or Boston and places like that, that there's huge demand to be in the downtown, be in the central city And that's just not happening yet in Detroit. And now we are post-pandemic where a lot of businesses are shrinking their footprint, needing less space. So with less demand, there's less increases in prices and the projected revenues don't meet the high cost of being in the city. 
Uh, Eric, part of the release here talks about population steadily declining. Uh, the population peaked in 1950 at 1.8 million, has fallen each decade since 637,000 in 2022. Could you see that reversing when it comes to all of the apartments and living spaces that are being built downtown? Well, that's the goal. And, and eventually, if we're going to do anything about demand, we have to reverse that. Um, so part of the problem, you might say, well, Detroit has fixed all these problems and, and people want to be in the city. Where are you going to put them? So we've got to build houses. We've got to build condos, uh, townhouses, apartments for them to be in if you're going to reverse that trend. Um, it, certainly that's the goal. And if we're successful, then there is a, a hope to bend the curve and, and start it pointing up again with more people moving in. Um, it's, it's, if you do, if you don't build it, they can't come. Mm -hmm. well, isn't a lot of the, uh, office space downtown that's not really being used. Isn't a lot of that being turned into residential? There's a lot of talk of that. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, there's different, uh, requirements for residential and, and so you have to retrofit it mm -hmm. and there's cost to doing that but yeah we see that not only in Detroit but in a lot of other big cities the realism that we probably not in our lifetimes we're not going to go back to the way it was so how do we use that space as productively as possible so there there is a lot of talk of doing that but that's not going to happen overnight We've talked about competitiveness in terms of developers. I'm more interested in terms of competitiveness for homeowners. We have seen a flurry of reinvestment in, in different neighborhoods, which has been really encouraging. But, I mean, you used to be able to go on the website and compare the millage rates of Southfield, Royal Oak, near-in suburbs, and then compare it to the services they get. Their street lights were on. Their garbage got picked up. That wasn't always the case in Detroit. On those basics, return on an investment for a taxpayer with, with efficient city services, how are we doing? doing better, but again, still work to do. So part of the problem for Detroit is, as I said, some of it's beyond the city's control. If you were just look at operating taxes for the city, the schools, the county, and so on, Detroit would be high, but it wouldn't be out of the ordinary. But Detroit, the city levies debt millage. It has a, a lot of legacy debt, even after the bankruptcy 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the school district has huge debt so it is an extraordinarily high cost to be in the city just to pay the property taxes and then you have the income taxes on top of that um, so it's a very high cost and i don't say this in any way to diminish the police and fire or everything else they're doing above and beyond given the conditions they have to, to work in but the return on investment is a very high bar to, you know to get over given that very high cost. Um, so to, part of the problem or part of the solution for dealing with the tax abatements, for dealing with the, um, the DDA that we also talk about in the paper is the city just has to be really good at the blocking and tackling. Mm -hmm. they, have to, they have to be really good at public safety. They have to have good parks and walkable streets and garbage picked up and things like that that will increase the demand for wanting to be in the city. That return on investment that you say, right. um, 
it has to be there for there to to be a demand to be in the city. Right, because make no mistake, when you look at Detroit's population, and a, a grant, I know that's a very sore point with the mayor, and I, I agree that we're probably not assessing it properly, but folks were voting with their feet, and, and that was, you know, and that doesn't help your fiscal picture either. Eric, we appreciate the incredibly objective uh, viewpoint that the Citizens Research Council of Michigan takes. We want to remind folks, if you want to Dive, you know, dive deep into this. You can find it at crcmich.org. crcmich.org. Eric, thank you for your time. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for having me on again. All right. When we come back, Ford taking the lead on some really cool things at Ford Field that's got nothing to do with football, but a lot about life. We'll explore it. A good feel good story for you on your Friday here on JR Morning. Time for Automotive Views, brought to you by Bridgestone. Getting people down the road matters, but getting generations down them, that's what really matters. Bridgestone, visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. The Super Bowl is coming up this weekend, and only four auto brands, none based in Detroit, have said they will run ads in this year's big game. The NFL's championship is the biggest advertising event of the year, but as prices keep rising, automakers have dialed back their involvement. Ford CEO Jim Farley, who started out in marketing, famously said to, quote, sell the stock if Ford ever runs an EV ad during a Super Bowl. To be fair, the automakers are all facing a profit margin squeeze compared with COVID times, as well as higher priced labor contracts with the UAW and Unifor. Stellantis has cut a lot of marketing spending in recent months, while GM and Ford are both actively seeking cost reductions. Plus, none of the Detroit Three really have hot new products to tout this winter. The Lions got within 30 minutes of making the championship game, but again this year, there will be no Detroit at the Super Bowl. With this week's Automotive View, I'm Jamie Butters, host of the Daily Drive podcast and executive editor of Automotive News.